0: Hey friends, Coach Shelby and Coach Christine welcoming you in for Time for Brunch Quick Bites Edition, where you can grab your miles with the side of smiles, take them on the go, or make them in the afternoon, or even a late night snack attack. So let's have some fun, get you moving and grooving, lace up those shoes, put a smile on your face, and let's log some miles. going to kick it off right with an eight-minute conversational pace in three, two one while I say hello
1: coach Christine how are you today you know friend I am doing okay it's been a bit of a challenging past few days I think you would agree (laughs) oh yeah
0: we're we're riding the hot mess express train we're not just riding it actually we are the conductor we are the co-pilot whatever the train jargon is we are there
1: I feel like the hot mess express may have actually like thrown me out and ran me over a couple times, so we'll see, but we're okay and that's all that matters is that we get to be here with you guys as you're moving and grooving and we are going to chat about some of our favorite things. Um, we're not going to chat this entire 30 minutes and discussing how... We're a little hot, messy today. We want you to bear with us. This is probably our third time trying to record this particular show. <laughs> Just right out of the gate, you guys should know. Uh, but neither here nor there, we are going to have a really good, solid conversation pace. This is a great base run to use. And so we're going to be in these eight-minute segments. Then we'll have two minutes where you can pull back into a walk or push the pace or split the difference. Either way, it's all good. We'll do this for three times for a full 30-minute base getting out there with that quick bite, my friends, And we're going to talk about one of the things that perplexed us both the most when we first came to running, which is what are they already talking about with all these different words and distances? And I don't even know whether they when I first started talking or hearing about different distances, I was like, I'm just trying to make it to like the end of the driveway or get to the next mailbox. <laughs> I have no clue what 5k or 8k coach Shelby's. Personal favorite. Oh,
0: maybe. <laughs> man. I have to talk about this again. Like you had yes. said this is like we've had some recording issues. I was like, I have to talk about my disdain for the 8K. But we'll we'll start it off on the right foot, left foot, whatever you prefer. And distances are literally the Pandora's box for me. I don't even get me started with track workouts because the meters and everything, I my brain just does not compute. My distances start at a mile and then go to a 5K, which in case you don't know, a 5K is 3.1 miles because the one is where it gets you. I mean, I don't know about you, but the point extra miles is where I'm just, I'm lost. I
1: think for the most part, I'm okay with a point because most of the distances go from like the 5k to the 10k usually so you just multiply it times two or double it and then the 15k um, so it usually helps I did train for one marathon off completely in kilometers I think that helps me a little bit with being able to do conversions and it depends on the day there are some days where I can convert pretty easily when I'm out for a run and most days where I'm just like eh, I'm just gonna do what my watch tells me and turn around at that halfway point and go back home
0: I've got to ask, what made you train for it in kilometers? Just
1: pure curiosity? Uh, It was for Berlin, and I knew that they would actually not have race signs. They did end up having a few in miles, but mainly it was kilometers. So I just wanted to give myself a little bit of a challenge that summer. Uh, And I think it did help as well in terms of, I actually enjoy training in kilometers because since I don't know it as well as I do the mountain like now my body knows what a mile feels like just do you feel the same way like when I first started running that at all but now I'm like oh I can pretty much kind of eyeball judge a distance pretty easily
0: yeah I mean I I sit there like you've said that you use a track to kind of picture distances and everything I do that similarly with my running route to where I know from point a to point b is a mile um I roundabout way I can kind of just give that imagery of what a mile two miles five miles looks like um and so like we have the 5k 3.1 10k 6.2 uh 8k (laughs) 4.97 15k 9.33 yep exactly okay half marathon 13.1 and then a marathon 26.2 anything after that is ultra
1: territory which is ultra confusing So I'm not even going to attempt that. I think it does get pretty fun shortly after the marathon distance because to get into ultra territory, it's not that far of a difference from a marathon. It's like just a little bit more when you officially start seeing race distances at that point. But friends, what I am going to suggest here is that you may be rolling through here and thinking, I know all this. I've been running for years. But be kind to the folks who maybe are starting to come into the sport anew, um, because I know that usually a lot of new runners, new walkers, new movers are right around the corner. With it being a new year on our horizon here, very very soon, and sometimes they're going to get new. To, they're going to be new to the sport. They're going to tell you all about their 5K marathon, be incredibly proud, and you're going to have to resist the urge of saying it's not a marathon, <laughs> it's a 5K. But um, just take into consideration that when you're first new, all of this can be really overwhelming because I had mentioned that my first out of the gate were, what are they doing? Am I going to have to start using drugs was when I learned about the LSD because I just ran three times a week when I first started. That's it. Like three times a week. And then when I started looking at longer distances, I kept reading or hearing about these LSDs and I'm like, what in the world? So now I know it means long, slow distance because you're going on those longer pace miles. We have those for our Saturday and Sunday brunches, of course. Well, and like, I like how you say that like newer
0: runners and walkers are still learning it. I still have those moments every time you say LSD. You're my giggling. brain does not compute. I know. So, and I've been doing this for almost a decade. So, yeah. Don't, don't be fooled, especially if you don't use it in your everyday life or it doesn't come up a lot. You do have that moment. I, I had to question, as I was even saying, the distances because I get so used to just calling them 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, marathons. It's not, it's not something that I automatically just convert because I have committed to memory. I take it for granted in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are a lot of words, a lot of shortenings that do make you giggle. For the longest time, no lie, I thought Bartlett was when you had a fecal incident (laughs) on the run because it just, it sounds questionable. And even even now I'm a five-year-old I giggle at that it's a fart like <laughs> like how do you not
1: smile with
0: it I think
1: everybody giggles at it I'm pretty sure that's the only reason why we still utilize the word fart like which actually translates to speed play it's a Swedish word which is um I believe it's speed is fart and like is play so there you go my friend <laughs> <See>? I can't <laughs> I know it's impossible to say it otherwise i usually say speed play so that i don't um elicit sense of giggles when i'm working with some of the younger
0: athletes or, or apparently me
1: <laughs> same difference same difference
0: oh i just i can't but um another one that i always got confused is prpb because mm-hmm. um, i hear pb i think peanut butter it's a running necessity. It's a rite of passage. But then you throw in PR, and I'm like, is that crunchy peanut butter? Like I don't, I don't really know.
1: So it's personal record, of course, as we we now know, and personal best. And I do want to ask real quick, as we pull back into a two-minute walk, or friends, you have that opportunity to push up a little bit on that pace. In three, two, one, do you like smooth or crunchy peanut? Butter? I knew you were gonna ask me that. <laughs>
0: I knew you were gonna ask me that. I'm like, she's gonna make me choose. Um.
1: Huh. That was not a hard choice for me in the slightest. Okay, well you go first then. Crunchy what you peanut like? butter all day long. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I love that little extra crunch. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I love crunchy peanut butter. So are you crunch bunch?
0: Or brunch crunch? Yeah, I think so. I think okay. I, I want an official new team. <laughs> <laughs> I like both. Um if I'm if I'm grabbing like a half of a peanut for a sandwich before I go out on my run, I want mm. it smooth. If I'm sitting down to have it with like some apples or having it as more of a meal versus like a snack, right? I, I could do crunchy. I, I can't pick one or the other. It depends on what I'm feeling. Sometimes you feel like a nut,
1: sometimes you are a nut, and sometimes you eat a nut. Well, that's the beautiful thing. You don't really have to choose. You can have both you can have yeah. both together at the same time, which I still think is crunchy, but okay. Now, are you a chocolate and peanut butter person? I am. And you are right. I usually do have smooth when I do that. But I'm okay with just throwing on some like dark chocolate chips on a spoonful of crunchy peanut butter and calling it.
0: Calling it. Um, now I know what I'm having for snack. I'm having some apple and some peanut butter with some chocolate. Sounds so delicious.
1: I mean, right? It do does. we ever not talk about food? I can't think of one time and that must have been what was wrong with our previous attempt at this was we hadn't talked about food yet
0: <laughs> we really had it. yeah that that was it okay we've solved that
1: thank so you <laughs> let's talk a little bit about all of the really fun things that go into it that you may use pretty normally um but some of your loved ones may think you're weird for using them but runger comes to mind um usually associated with being hungry because of the added miles and then being a little little frustrated or ornery with those around you because you are so hungry all the time. Did did you start using runger pretty early on?
0: Uh, I used hangry more, but I don't want any of our listeners to get hangry. So I say we pop them back up in that conversational pace, let them move and groove a little bit. So let's hit another eight minutes in three, two, and one. I am a hangry person by nature, so I definitely loved when I found out about Runger. I actually think you might have introduced me to it, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Mm, Same I don't with know. brunch, and of course, for yeah. Runch.
1: Yes, I'm all about any kind of like run fees or runcations, one of my favorite things, just because I, I mean, I I remember my first time a girlfriend came and she's like, you know that people travel for other reasons than just going to run a race? I am like, what? (laughs) First of all, why? Yeah, why would you do that? Um, So that's definitely something that comes to mind, all these little fun made up words. But you know, one word that also threw me for a loop when I first started running was streaker. Because prior to running, I only knew of streaker as the kind of activity that would get you arrested. (laughs) I mean, that's
0: a fair point. It is.
1: It's a fair point. But we, we do have a completely different connotation to streaking in the run world. And generally, you will see that actually happening around this time of year. I actually think runner's world may have been one of the first outlets that kind of published the streaking um from thanksgiving to the new year where people will endeavor to run at least a mile a day i think that that's that's hit a few snags people now realize that maybe that's not the healthiest way of approaching running so now you see more people speaking in terms of like mindful movement or mindful um like me time or maybe if it's a rest day they just spend five or ten minutes on some meditation or some light recovery yoga
0: yeah i'm glad you made that point because like i i don't hate on anybody wanting to do a streak if that's works for you and that's fine for you please by all means do what you do um i personally have done a streak before Mm -hmm. um and at a point it became kind of counterproductive so i'm with you i like the idea of taking the streak which is just again if you do the mile every day or changing it to where it is just mindful movement maybe some stretching some light yoga um strength training it's a really good way to make sure that you are incorporating those things and get creative with it um streaker was one that definitely made me kind of have a a a pause um but negative split as well for the longest time i thought a negative split was in fact a negative thing Um, But it basically just means running the first half of your race uh, slower and your second half faster, or even each mile getting faster. You just want your time to get faster. I think I could probably say the word faster one more time (laughs) in that segment.
1: (laughs) So, actually, that's a great point. I love negative splits. I think my body naturally does. And I think probably a majority of runners will probably notice that if they really are conservative out of the gate, their body will naturally warm up, which lends to having a higher possibility of having that negative split where you get a little faster. But also what comes into play, which I think still can be very, very confusing for people is that if you are purposely approaching trying to do speed work or, or getting faster or aiming for a negative split workout is to focus more on cadence and cadence is like, what does that really, really mean? And it's very simplistic in terms of it's the number of steps that you take per minute of running and people even use, um, I'm trying to think of the thing I'm actually using a little clock thing, have finger back and forth but you could actually set yourself to a cadence meter where it'll help a metronome yeah thank you
0: band nerd got it nailed it i win today that's all that's all folks
1: see you later and that's (laughs) a great way to to have that training some of it's just more of just being very conscious and aware of it um my main go-to on cadence is to try to improve the amount of steps that you take per minute is to really focus on taking shorter steps and just thinking of like popping off quicker from the actual asphalt or running surface. How about you? How do you figure how, to, how has cadence been something that you've worked on or does it still feel a little bit harder? Does it come more
0: naturally to you? so I I'm very short Mm -hmm. um so naturally my cadence is not gonna look the same as somebody else's who maybe was blessed with a little bit more height um which I think is a good point that even though you can google 15 different articles about the magic number of what your cadence is um yeah there's not like as much as we want a fine number there, there there's not um my cadence actually truthfully hovers between like 165 and then maybe around the 170. um but it's i remember actually messaging my coach before i became a coach myself and asked like my strides seem shorter when i'm doing my speed work is that normal because I didn't know. I had, in my mind, those long, lean strides is what I was right. shooting for. Right, When, this is when my my short little legs wanted to go a little shorter and it was a good right. thing and I'm doing my little hands, like, little legs. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's really, it's just the steps you take per minute. Mm-hmm. And it's another metric to use to see how your running is looking and I, it's just I, you gotta have
1: it take it with all the grain of salt I think that's the perfect way of explaining it well not necessarily explaining Katie but using it as a metric to see how you're progressing and improving versus blocking yourself with it because it's not yet another perfect 180 or perfect 190 or whatever the case may be um so use it and I think a lot of coaches and a lot of philosophies are now gravitating towards Utilizing it as what is your base cadence and how do you improve it very incrementally because trying to improve it um, overnight and in every single run could potentially lead for some injuries. So being being mindful of that as well. Oh, for sure. Um,
0: and again, we're throwing out a lot of words, but all of the fancy shortenings, and the fancy words, it all just comes down to mechanics of running. We run by natural, I mean, happenstance. We start running when we're kids and then we decide as adults, hey, let's pay to go run with a bunch of other people and get sweaty. Um, Mm -hmm. But taking all of these terms, all of these fancy verbiages and just remembering that you can't overcomplicate it or else you steal a lot of the joy. So take it like cadence as a metric take all of these phrases and shortenings as just another way to kind of fine-tune your running knowledge versus feeling overwhelmed.
1: Absolutely agree with that, which brings us to another one that you may have heard quite a bit whenever you've gone shoe shopping. And if my friend, you have still not gone shoe shopping then please do consider trying to find a local store where you can just to make sure that you're in the right shoe, especially if you're having any kind of aches or pains associated with it. But coach, it's that, like you said, natural mechanics and some natural mechanics of folks who have them as more of a pronation or a supination. And I'm curious if you want to tell us a little bit more about those. Well, since we have two to
0: break down, I think it's time for a little two-minute walk or pace push in three, two, and one while we talk about fancy footness. And yes, I said that very mm-hmm. dramatically with like a little, a little hair wave. A little flourish. <laughs> so pronation is when your foot rolls inward, when you step, walk, run, etc. And it's just something that naturally your your gait does. Your feet just roll inwards. And say the, say the S one for me because I cannot. Supination. Supination. It sounds like superstar. Um, Let's go with it. (laughs) Let's go with it. Yeah. Why not? And again, jazz hands. Um, But that's (laughs) when your foot rolls outwards. And this is where, like Coach Christine was saying, is going to a running shoe store and having them see how you walk. If they have a treadmill, they can see how you run because both of those can make a big difference in the type of shoes that will work best for you. Not the best shoe for everyone, but the one that works best for you because we can tell you what shoes we run in, your running friend can tell you what they run in, but at the end of the day, that might not be what works for you. I think we run in the same shoe, though, which is kind of funny. Are you in Adrenaline's? Oh, no, I'm not in Adrenaline's. I'm in uh, a Brooks Ghost 14. Yeah, yep, I'm
1: in Adrenaline's. But, mm. yeah, uh, and that's why it's so great to – I do have um, – I tend to overpronate, so the Adrenaline's help me kind of become a little bit more stable since they have the guide rails. But I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about shoes – in regards to all the fancy stuff that they have available to help you in your running. But I can say that getting fitted for the right shoe for me was a game changer, I think, in helping to stay as injury-free as possible with the change of running.
0: Right. Absolutely. And if it's not comfortable in the store, no matter if they say that it should work, shouldn't work, if it's not comfortable in the store, speak up and make sure that you leave with something comfy regardless.
1: And talking so about I'll, speaking up, let's take it back into that oh, conversation pace. I was going to say, okay, well, three, do
0: it. two, one, let's go. I was like, oh, she's speaking up. She's like, I yeah. got this,
1: hold my mic. <laughs> so let's talk about speaking up and conversation pace because we we say it a lot, but maybe for somebody who's out for a walk and they're kind of considering getting into running, where would you start to discuss more of those different patients? Because there's tempo and obviously base building versus more of like the anaerobic type workouts or speed play we could i feel like we could do an entire episode dedicated just to those different styles of workouts and what they all kind of mean but maybe a quick little tutorial as to or a quick little definition of what we're doing right now with this conversation pace how do you explain it to an athlete so for conversational
0: pace I I always feel like it's a double-edged sword because, yes, in an ideal world, you should be able to carry a conversation in conversational pace. It's something that I always feel like people should strive for and finding that happy medium because, again, and this may be an unpopular opinion, but just like cadence can differ, your conversational pace can differ not only in the actual pace, but how your conversation looks. Like, no matter what, you shouldn't be gasping. But if you can't do a run-on sentence, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're still going too fast. That might just be your breathing, which, again, that might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: I think that for most of my athletes, that if they're not quite hitting a conversation pace, and conversation pace shouldn't mean you're doing an entire monologue. If you're reciting any monologue, then you likely could to pop it up a notch a little bit there. Uh, But it should be able to where, I always like it more to sing along to songs. Or when we play our games during our uh, brunches, quite often we ask people to kind of respond to us as if they were shoulder to shoulder with us. I think that that's more when it comes to conversational. It may not necessarily be a very long sentence, but it should be where you should be able to get out those few words without completely losing your breath. If you're not quite hitting that, I do usually suggest pulling it back a little bit more. And there's nothing wrong with doing that because then there's plenty of time to get into those sentence-paced workouts, which are more of those tempo, those chemically hards, or the one-to-two words when you're usually doing more of the speed workouts. And usually when I say that you're doing one-to-two-word workouts, are usually not suitable for work-type words because you are pushing.
0: Yeah. And I you said about tempo. I do love a good tempo. And the way I explain tempo is holding a pace for a given amount of time. Um, And I actually like to mix my tempos, bringing in that negative split to where when I have um, my athletes do tempos, a lot of times I'll have them hold a specific pace or a specific effort level and for maybe like a mile and then try to bump up that pace and you make a negative split and you're still using that tempo portion and holding that little bit of a faster pace, which I always feel kind of gives everybody, um, I think you even mentioned this, kind of that changing gears type of mentality Mm -hmm. to where you're holding it, you're on cruise control at that given pace, even if it's a little bit harder but then you shift that gear just a smidge to feel what holding another pace feels like to kind of give you that
1: differential. I think that what I've found is that people being so attuned to their watches has been both um, a double-edged sword, a blessing, and a curse because now we associate, we quit listening to how our bodies feel when those when you shift in these different gears and we always liken it to what our watches are saying when that is so not always going to be indicative because there may be days where you will have a more comfortably hard workout at, let's say, a 10-minute pace, just throwing out paces. And there's other days where maybe you didn't sleep well or um, you're coming off of an illness and that same workout may look more like a 12-minute pace. So really tuning into how your body feels when you're changing in and out of those gears, not so much the focus of your actual pace, I think is very important.
0: Yeah. And I uh, really with 10, temp- like if you Google the word tempo when it regards to running. And I will say, if you're Googling any of these, please do the term, do the shortening, and then add in the word running so you don't get any really (laughs) really strange Google results because that has not happened to me, but it is always a fear of mine that I'm gonna pull up something very off subject and I'm gonna have to clear my browser history and explain it and it's just it's not a good thing so if you do tempo in running please google it that way um they'll talk about like exerting yourself based off of 80 to 85 percent heart rate but again that's a very clinical description so I think both of our goals here is to make these words more real life explanations versus just these these very bland type of
1: a plus b equals c type of deals absolutely absolutely well we have a few more minutes what are some of the other words that kind of had you thinking a little bit like hmm, what does that mean or it may have thrown you for a loop or terminology uh another one's brickwork so normally brickwork
0: is reserved for like triathlons I'll hear runners a lot of times like, "Oh, I did a brick workout today," and I'll ask, "Oh, are you doing a, a triathlon?" And they're like, "No, I just I ran and then I I did like the strength training," which, I mean, technically I guess you could use the term brick work for that, but brick work's usually for triathlons when you're doing like running and biking in the same day back to back to give that simulation. How would you? Kind of classify brickwork in your brain.
1: Absolutely. So I do consider it also usually reserved more for triathlon work. I have never heard of it used as a, a description for strength training and and cardio of any sort. Usually I would just call those back to back workouts. But something about the brick workout where well I know specifically the entire concept is that it is supposed to help you with race day in terms of feeling the transition from one sport to the next. Because these three sports, you have so many different ways of your body being in those postures, like from bike riding, going into running, or vice versa. Um, It can definitely create a bit more of, you're not going to be able to feel as loose going into your run after you've been on your bike for, let's say, 20 miles. So I think that the brickwork helps with that. It also helps with training for transitions, which for some reason, people in the triathlon world are really big about clearly another reason why I'm never going to be a triathlete, a triathlete superstar, because I'm like, ah, I'm going to take my time here as I change out from my swim gear into my cycling gear.
0: <laughs> no lie. I actually forgot when I was transitioning from my, for the one triathlon I did, um, I forgot to put on my race number as I did the transition from my bike to my run. And I mean, you have it on your leg anyway, so I just dropped an explicit and said, okay, well, we're just rolling with this. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I'm not turning back. I'm like, that was another 40 seconds that I did not have in the tank.
1: I've been there and done that, my friend. Let's go and talk into, as we bring it down into our final walk in three, two, and one for wrapping up this workout of course if you want to pace change and have a fast finish as you are wrapping up here you're looking for a little bit of a negative split feel free um i think i want to end with the one that i learned just a few years ago actually from ally on the run which is and you taught me it as well i don't know i think it's f k t you nailed it it yes. sounds like a candy bar to me I, I don't know, maybe I've I I think I'm just it. hungry. Yeah, I think that may be it as well. So FKT, you wanna to explain to folks as we wrap up our our quick bites here.
0: Yes, and don't even fool let her fool you. She's not doing that to be kind, it's just like with me with
1: supination yeah uh
0: it it, it's just it's hard um but yeah fkt fastest known time uh it i think it's primarily used on strava which I, i don't really use um i know shock awe i'll pause for the gaps but um it's fastest known time for a specific running route Um, I know a lot of people do it around, like, local rivers, local lakes. I know New York has a ton of them since New York City. I mean, Central Park. Right. Um, But other trails and everything. And it's just basically whoever has the fastest known time for that route. I know Molly Seidel has done a couple of them, Kira Demato, She's done a couple of them and it's become a fun thing for more of us everyday runners to try to get the fastest known times from the elites. But it, it's basically an excuse to just run really, really fast and feel like you want to go pedal, which I mean, I can support just stretch first, I guess. That's
1: awesome. <laughs> well, with that, friends, if you are transitioning back into the rest of your day and you have to hit your FKT to um, change into your work gear or get back into the rest of your day, we want to thank you so much for spending time with us on this quick fight. always a great time when we get to hang out with you. So, come back join us again for our time for brunch the long run edition of course which drops on saturdays you can always get a bit more of these midweek quick bites for your own ftk (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which come out on wednesdays and regardless of when or where you know that we're going to be serving up more miles with a side of smiles